this morning we're gonna kind of pick we took last week off of what we've been talking about which has been God's glory plan and this morning we're gonna start a little new series called let's go to heaven and uh, it's a wonderful thing we've uh, seen some of the details that uh, pertain to us going to heaven and and so forth and we uh, I want to kind of go back and uh, look at some things that uh, we need to kind of understand and remember and be aware of and have in our thinking. Uh, we, we are, if you look at Ephesians 1, verse number 3, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ. And that's the issue. We are a people of the heavenly places. Uh, we are a people of the book, by the way, but we're also a people about the heavens. And our goal and our focus and our structure, if, if you come over to chapter, down in chapter 1, get that to work there, and verse 19, he says, And what is the exceeding greatness of his power to usward, who believe according to the working of his mighty power, which he wrought in Christ when he raised him from the dead, set him at his own right hand in the heavenly places." Far above all, principality and power and might and dominion and every name that is named, not only in this world, but also in that which is to come. Having put all things under his feet and gave him to be head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him that filleth all in all. And again, the things that that the things that that we're going to focus on, the, the, the things that come to us by trusting the Lord Jesus Christ as our personal Savior. Well, you know, when we get saved, uh, one of the wonderful benefits is not going to hell, <laughs> is spending eternity in the heavens with the Lord. And there's some things there about that as a present possession. You and I have eternal life as a present possession right now. So there's some things about the heavens and that we have now in time that we can learn and we can grow, we can rejoice in, we can enjoy seeing, and we can enjoy understanding. You and I, go over to 2 Corinthians chapter 5. You and I, as we begin to think about this, and whoops, and as we begin to consider going to heaven and looking at heaven, what we have already seen, I'll just do a, 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 a quick review here, is here you are, you've come to Calvary, you're a believer now, okay? By the way, if you're an unbeliever, we'll talk about that in just a minute. One day, out in the future, will be the rapture, the resurrection, our gathering together, the Apostle Paul calls. At that moment, the Lord himself, he's up here in the third heaven, okay? The Lord himself, so the Lord himself will descend with the shout, with the voice, with the trump of God. Remember that. We're going to meet the Lord in the air, in the clouds. Okay, air, up. Our direction is up. Not staying here, we go up. We're going to have a meeting. That's the judgment seat of Christ. At that meeting, at that event, what you do in time down here, in your life, building in the sound doctrine, is then going to be what is going to be revealed there. At, the mo- at this moment, you're going to get a new body. That's where you get your new body. Okay. After the judgment seat of Christ, we are then taken and presented to the Father. Remember? 
16, 17 weeks of study. Do you remember? <laughs> I hope so. <laughs> okay. At, when we're presented to the Father, you see there in that verse a minute ago, there was the principalities and powers. So principalities, there's powers, there's mights. Uh, Colossians 1, there's thrones, there's dominions. Ephesians 6, there's rulers. 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6. And then every other name that's named. Those are ranks of governmental authority. What is decided at the judgment seat of Christ is the issue of your service. That's V-I-C-E. Is your service. That chalk is going to go away. The level, the capacity of your service can, how, in serving God. You'll be in these functions in the heavenly places. Okay. This event, by the way, takes place in the second heaven out there. You guys see the astronauts get blasted off a week or two ago, and they meet up with the Internet, and you see that big black mass out there? That's the second heaven, the closed firmament. That's where we're going to function. That's the heavenly places, okay? By the way, we'll talk more about that in a couple more studies, in a couple weeks. That's what we've looked at. Now, down on the earth, Israel's program's going. He's finishing out the 70th week of Daniel, setting up the kingdom, the great white throne judgment. Then we get out in that new heaven and the new earth, the dispensation of the fullness of times. We've talked about all of that. What I want to do is go back here now, because what happens in the moment of life right now? That's our future. This takes place in the future. But what begins to happen now? Look at 2 Corinthians 5 and look at verse number 8. We are confident, I say, and willing rather to be absent from the body and to be present with who? So it, right now, the, the Lord sits in the, in the city of God in the throne room in the third heaven. That's where he sits. If you are walking along life's wonderful narrow way, and something hits you upside the head and you die, and you're a believer, where does that verse say that happens to you? Absent from the body, and what? Present with the Lord. Isn't that wonderful? That's what we want to look at. I want to go up and let's look at heaven. I want to look around the third heaven. Notice what's going to be going on with you now. We need to understand this. Come on over to Ephesians 3. Ephesians Three. Ephesians 2. <laughs> Let's do that one first. You see, folks, we need to understand the third heaven. We need to understand what happens between our death, see, we die, and resurrection. What's going on there? We all have had loved ones in Christ who have died. Where, what happened to them? Where did they go? Because our, and we need to understand this, because our salvation is not just the issue of saving you from hell, as wonderful as that is. That's literally just a little note in the, the more deeper, the more better, the deeper things that he has for you and I to be doing out here in the ages to come. 
and the things that we're going to be doing in the future. Think about this. All the things that we get, forgiveness, joy, peace, liberty, freedom. You know, all these guys are yelling here the last couple of weeks about freedom and liberty. They have no clue what it is to be free and to be liberated from the bondage of sin. To have a purpose in life, have a meaning in life. And you know what? You got all of that, but then you also got what? Heaven too. See, you get it all. And what I want to do is start this week and over the next five or six, eight, nine, ten weeks, however long it takes us, I just want to go to the third heaven, look around, see some things, get familiar with it. Because we're we're living here. It's a one it, and and by the way, you need to know this because when you die, you're gonna wake up right there. Actually, you don't wake up, you just your next breath is there. When the rapture happens. It could happen before you die. You better know what's going on. That's why we spent the 15, 16 weeks doing it, looking at it. But what about now, in time? You're in Ephesians 2, right? Good. Hold on to there. Flip over to 1 Timothy chapter 4. Just real quick here. 1 Timothy 4 and verse 8. Just hold on to Ephesians 2. Because this verse needs to kind of be in our, in our thinking. 1 Timothy 4, verse 8. For bodily exercise profit a little, but godliness is profitable unto all things. So godliness is profitable no matter where you're at. Having promise of the life that now is. And of that which is to come. The issue of godliness, the sound doctrine over here, living in you, living out through you as you walk through life, as you move and, and I, you know, you, you get married, you have a family, you get raised to kids, you try not to kill the kids, you, 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 they get grown and gone and they're having families and this family thing gets going it's profitable in all of that to be in the sound doctrine to have that as your basis. Now come back to Ephesians 2. In that understanding of that, we need, again, I want to look around heaven with you. Ephesians 2, verse 16. If, I'm sorry, verse 6. And hath raised us up together and made us sit together, where? In heavenly places, where? In Christ Jesus. You see, folks, the Lord Jesus Christ sits as the head of the government. He sits as the head of the government of the universe, literally. And we share in that authority. So we ought to know something about it. We ought to understand the environment of heaven. What's going to look like? You know, when you get there, you're going you're to look around and go, where am I? You know, I think about the old Star Trek shows and stuff. You know, you look back at that stuff, and they're so corny looking, you know, when you look at today's technology. But that was leading stuff, you know, and all that. And you think about that, and you think about lost in space and all that stuff. And you, you go, is it going to be familiar? Is it going to be un? By the way, it will be familiar, okay? And we'll see that here in just a minute. Are you going to recognize people? The answer is yes. Are you going to know people that you've never met before? The answer is yes. But what happens in this state between death and resurrection? Chapter 3 of Ephesians. Again, we're, our mindset and our thinking process is 
and focused and should be focused on the heavenly places. Ephesians 3, verse number 9. And to make all men see what is the fellowship of the mystery, which from the beginning of the world hath been hid in God, who created all things by Jesus Christ, to the intent that now, under the principalities and powers where? In heavenly places might be known uh, by the church, the manifold wisdom of God. Right now, we have an impact where? Into the heavenly places. We've looked at this passage, things that you and I do. There are angels amongst us watching us right now. You can't see them. They're in the invisible world, but they're watching. They're learning. They're paying attention. They want to see, hey, how does this sound doctrine working out in Rick's life, in your life? What's it look like? Because my life's completely different from your life. And your life is completely different from everybody else's life in here. So what does it look like? What does it take on a form and a picture and, and demonstrate? Come over to chapter 6 of Ephesians. Ephesians 6 and verse number 12. Ephesians 6 and verse 12. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of darkness, of this world against spiritual wickedness, notice, in high places. It's interesting right now, the heavenly places are under the, the adversary's rule and control. He's the prince, the power of the air. Philippians 3, flip over there quickly, Philippians 3, and verse number 20, Philippians 3, verse number 20, he, Paul says, for our conversation is in where? Heaven. Our focus, our whole, our conversation, our way, walk of life. And our walk is a walk that relates to heaven. Now keep reading the verse, from whence, we, uh, from whence also we look from, uh, for, the, for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who shall change our vile body. There's the resurrection and fashion it like unto his glorious body, according to the working, whereby he is able even to subdue. Why would he have to subdue all things unto himself? Because the adversary is in control up there right now. How, what is he, who does he use to subdue all things back to himself? He uses you and I. He literally has given us the wonderful opportunity to participate in the governmental uh, uh, administrative duties of the government of heaven. And he says, this is your job. This is what you're going to be doing. So you know what you need to have your focus on? Come over to Colossians 3. Your focus, your walk of life, your conversation, everything that you're to be about needs to be focused on heaven. Colossians chapter 3 in verse number 1, if ye then be risen with Christ, seek those things which are above, where Christ sitteth on the right hand of God. Set your affections on things above, not on things on the earth. So where should my love, my affection, my attention be focused to? Heaven. Above. Things above. Now, well, come on, Rick. I got to have a job, I got to feed, I got to do it. Well, yeah, because that's what Paul says. Get a haircut and get a real job, you know. Actually, that wasn't Paul, that was George Thoroughbred, but the thing is, same sentiment. Paul tells you to work. If you don't work, you don't eat, right? 
You're worse than an infidel. You've denied the faith. Well, wait a minute. Why do you, why do you work? I was thinking about that this week. I'm on, I'm on uh, spring break, summer break, spring break, summer, winter break. I'm on, I'm on break, <laughs> okay, from driving the school bus. Why do you work? So you're able to do what? Provide, right? You pr- be able to provide for, your, for you and yours. Then so you're able to come over there, Ephesians 4, to help out others who need help. Galatians 6, take care of the local assembly, okay? That's why you work. Well, I work to make, the, to make it. I want to be a billionaire. You know that the billionaire spends more time trying to keep his money from people from taking it? it oh, yeah. What is it? Get rich and then live free and be financially free. You know, you struggle more trying to keep your goofy money than you ever do enjoying it. I wouldn't really know. I'm... <laughs> guy says poor or rich you know i've been poor never been rich so i couldn't tell you what rich is but the thing is is i understand what the concept about money is and the desire to keep it and to have it and to protect it paul says you know what you need to do you need to have your you need to seek look at verse one seek those things which are above. seek search them out godliness is profitable now having the promise of the life which is now is and that which is to come. What we do back here is going to influence the future. It influences the judgment seat of Christ. It influences your capacity out there in your inner man. What I do right here, right now in time. So if I'm a dad, Father's Day is coming up in a couple weeks. If I'm a dad, if I'm a husband, if I'm a wife, if I'm a mom, okay, and I'm doing what I'm supposed to be doing in those roles, Guess what it's going to do? It's going to impact and benefit. All right? If I'm a worker or employee, employer, what I do, how I, how I walk in that grace life begins to impact. I look around the room, grandparents. How I do that, how I'm, I'm, I operate in that impacts the future. I tell you what, grandparents don't get a lot of conversation in Scripture but they're there. They have a unique ability to talk to their grandchildren where mom and dad don't because they're mom and dad. And we don't listen to mom and dad. But they'll listen to who? Grandma and grandpa. (laughs) Because that's a different relationship there. Verse 4, Colossians 3, 4. When Christ, who is our life, shall what? Shall appear right here at the end. Then we shall appear we shall, then shall ye also appear with him in glory. So we need to understand a little bit about what's going on, where we're going. 2 Corinthians chapter 4. We need to, to know about our future. You see, folks, our life today is not a dead end. Unfortunately, when you look at society today and all the stuff that's going on, you, you try and have an honest conversation with anyone in any of that, and you know what they think? Right now is all there is. So let's get it now. And you know what? As believers and as people who understand that, that life, our life, is just not a dead end. Rather, it has a, very, it has a wonderful future. And we need to understand that there's more to life than just right now. 
There's a future out there that we have and we hold on to. And when we begin to look at heaven here, introducing it this morning to you, heaven's going to tell us that, that we have such a wonderful future out there. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, look at verse 16, if you will. For which cause we faint not, but though our outward man perish, yet the inward man is renewed day by day. For our light affliction, which is but for a moment, worketh for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. While we look not at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporal, but the things which are not seen are eternal. Notice that passage carefully. Verse 16, the outward man's going to do what? What's that outward man going to do? He's going to die. He's going to perish. But the inward man, there's the issue. That inward man is renewed day by day. Renewed, renewal, refreshment. Coming along and, and taking the word of God, Romans 12, and renewing your mind. That you, look over there at Romans 12. We, we quote it, or butcher it when we try to quote it. Look at Romans 12. Hold on to 2 Corinthians. Romans 12. When we talk about renewing our minds day by day, not, not just on Sunday, not just on Wednesday night, just not when the preacher's on YouTube or Facebook, but day by day. That's why in our, sli in our welcome slides, we have an issue, a slide in there about reading three chapters a day. It takes you about 15 minutes, 20 minutes, half hour at the most, depends if you're a slow reader like me. Okay? You just sit and read three chapters. Start in Romans, start the first day of the month, and by the time you get to the end, you've read through Romans, you read through the Paul's epistles a couple times. Okay? Just go through them, three chapters a day. You know what will happen, by the way, if you do that? You'll be reading four and five chapters a day. You'll end up reading a whole goofy book because you just can't stop. But you begin to renew your mind. You know when you, re when you read stuff over and over and over and over and over and over again? Do you, you remember you can almost start quoting it? It starts impacting. Romans 12, verse 1. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable, unto God, which is your, what kind of service? Reasonable. Reason. You see, folks, God is a reasonable God. He, he'll come and he'll sit there and let, let's reason this, let's think this through together. And you've got 11 chapters of thinking through some doctrine about who you are and what he's doing and so forth. Then he says, verse 2, and be not conformed to this world. Okay, how do I do that now? But be ye transformed. I can remember when the Transformers first came out and Transformers, more than meets the eye, all that stuff, you know. Transformed by the renewing of your mind. Notice the next word, that. Why am I not to be conformed to this world? Why am I to be transformed? Why am I to renew my mind? That ye may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect 
will of God. That when you take in the word of God rightly divided and you take in the sound doctrine and it begins to, to adjust, come back to 2 Corinthians 4, your thinking process, and it begins to renew, re-energize, encourage you, refresh you, and that it begins to produce a thinking process in your thinking about who you really are. Yes, I am Charles Richard Jordan III. Yes, I live in Mesa, Arizona. Yes, I'm the past. Yeah, that's who I am. But that's not who I really am, am I? I'm a saint of the Most High God. I've been blessed with all spiritual blessings. I'm complete in Him. I've been accepted in Him. My acceptance lays there, not over here. You begin to take all that and it begins to change your thinking. And one of the areas it begins to adjust your thinking is this area that we're going to look in in chapter 5 about what happens between death and resurrection. Because of what does verse 16 tell us? The outward man is going to do what? Perish. Verse 17. For our light affliction, which is but for a moment. I read that and I go, it is not for a moment. And it ain't light. The trials and the, and, and the per- problems of life seem to be insurmountable. You get down there at life's lowest points. I know what it's like to slide into the Circle K out of gas, dig through the center console to pull out a couple dollars to get gas, because that's all you got. I know what it is to pull into to the apartment you're trying to rent a room out of from some guys that you met on the job site, but you're just kind of scraping because you're living... Not even paycheck to paycheck, it's you know half a check to half a check. You're just trying to get, you know, and, you, and you think, oh my goodness, it can't get any worse. And what does the scripture say? What does that new, think, new mindset say? It's just a moment. It's a light thing. It's nothing to, to, it, to it, it, it's just a breath compared to what? To glory. Romans 8.18, there, uh, Paul over there, in, back in Romans, he says, um, <laughs> and just went, For I reckon that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be, Romans 8.18, to be compared with the glory that shall be revealed in us. Boy, what a thought process. I know what, I, you know, you think about in the, in the moment of the affliction, the trial, 417. And he says, it's going to work for you. How does it work for you? Well, you've got that renewed mind, don't you? You've got that understanding that life isn't just this. There's more after death. There's more life coming that's more wonderful. You know, I like that, mo' better. I know I made that up, I think, or I read it somewhere. But it's more. It's, it's, it's not worthy to be compared with what's going on right now. It works for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. How does it work for you? Think about this. You're going down through life's way. You die. You're absent from the body. Chapter 5, verse 8. You're present with the Lord. The resurrection happens. You go and stand before the judge in the judgment seat of Christ, and the Lord does a reveal. You know, you give an account of yourself of what, what you've done in your body, good or bad, and you're standing there, and he says, you know what? That moment back here, when your loved one passed away suddenly in your arms, and where things begin to happen, you know what? Yeah, you fell apart for the moment, 
but, but you didn't let it defeat you. You didn't let it overcome you. Rather, you stood there in the moment, in the funeral, and you said, Lord, it's not I, but you, and you're going to have to help me get through this. You see, what, where did you lean? My grace shall be what? Sufficient? When you're weak, I'm strong. And the thinking process that gets you through that, Oh, emotions don't get, emotions are stupid. They're dumb, they're ignorant. They shouldn't even be allowed, but they, they're, they're needed. Because what does the emotions do to you? Well, listen, folks, I, I, the funeral I'm talking about is Brian's funeral, if you, okay? You're sitting there, and you just get punched in the gut. And it's like, okay, if I'm going to get up here, I'm going to be bellowing like a crybaby. Just bawling. And it would be okay. But that's not, I need, I got it, we got to do something else. It isn't the fact that later in the moment, in the quietness of, of my office at home, we didn't have a good cry. That isn't the issue. The issue is what was built in here. That's why verse 18 says the things that are seen are temporal. But the things that are not seen are Eternal. Why? Because we walk by faith, not by sight. We renew our mind. And, and folks, when we begin to understand and our mind gets renewed and it gets fixed in on the sound doctrine, it puts in our frame of reference what is real. And the stuff of this life is so not real sometimes. That you know what we, sometimes we need? We have to have a, an attitude adjustment. And when we do that, then we understand that you know what's really real is what God's going to be doing out there with us in those heavenly places. And I need to know about that and point to that. Because look at chapter 5, verse 1. Because look at where Paul goes. Chapter 5, verse 1. For we know that if our earthly house of this tabernacle were dissolved, we have a building of God and a house not made with hands, eternal in the where? In the heavens. Hey, he just told you in verse 16. I'm in 2 Corinthians 5 now. In verse 16, that's where we're at. He just told you in 4.16 that the outward man's going to perish. And in chapter 5, he goes right into doing what? Your out man died. Your outward man dead. He He's that, that house right now, the earthy house, the house of this tabernacle were dissolved. Well, if, if <laughs> it's good to know something, isn't it? That we have a heavenly house, a, a, a house that's made not with hands, not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. And in the light of death, and what, what chapter 5, 1 to 8 tells you, it's what's going on between death and the resurrection. And, and what's happening here? You see, folks, there's something that you need to know. You're going to die. Happy, happy, yay, yay, woo -hoo. But you also need to know there's something beyond death. You also need to understand that there's this earthy house, this body, this outward man is going to perish away. But yet we have a new body. We have a new house. We're going to get it at the rapture, at the resurrection. But for now, we're just in 
Verse 8, simply in the presence of the Lord. There's some things that are going on here in this passage. By the way, we're going to go down through this passage, okay, if you can't tell. When a believer dies, your soul goes to be with the Lord in heaven. Your body gets buried, back to the dust it goes, okay? You, the real you, your spirit and your soul go to be with the Lord. The second issue you've got to understand is that you do not get your new body at that time. You get it at the future event of the resurrection. That's why he'll say, verse 2, For in this we groan earnestly, desiring to be clothed upon with our house, which is from where? Heaven. If so be that clothed, we shall not be found naked. Isn't that interesting? You see, folks, between the death, between death and, and the rapture, the resurrection, where you and I are, what we're going to be doing, that's what we're going to be looking at over the next couple of weeks, is we're in what the preachers call an intermit and I can't, the preacher doesn't even can't say it. We're in an intermediate state. Okay? We're in a holding cell. We're in a holding pattern, if you will. Because we're in the presence of the Lord, but we don't have our new body yet. So you know what that means we can't do? Go on out there and do our work, do our job. We're in a state of waiting. And the wonderful thing about, you know what, I hate to wait. You know, go up to the goofy fast food place because that was the only place open for so long because they had a drive through and the lines down around the building and up on the other street you know what I said we're going home we're not waiting but you know what in this state of waiting you don't even know that the clock is ticked one second because you're void of this old earthy house notice verse 2 notice our desire What's our desire? To be clothed on with that new body, isn't it? To get that house which is made, which is from heaven. Verse 3. If so be that being clothed, we shall not be found, what? Very interesting terms that Paul uses so you and I would understand what he's talking about. Naked. Your inner man, your soul, has a bodily shape. You go over there to Luke 16 and where the Lord shows us into, into hell and you see Lazarus and that rich man and he talks about his finger and his tongue and, and his ears and being in torments and being able to see and talk in that conscious state that you and I will be in, that the lost are in. But you don't have a body yet. You're still waiting for it. Verse 4, For we that are in this tabernacle... I love that word, tabernacle. Boy, what a word. Do groan, being burdened, not for that we should be unclothed, but clothed upon, that mortality might be swallowed up of life. When he says there, not that we should be unclothed, we're burdened to be here. We'd rather be absent from the body, present with the Lord. Paul says in Philippians, I'm, in, I'm between a rock and a hard place. What's more needful? I'd rather be with, the, with, with Christ, but you need me to be here. He says, we don't have that groaning for what is called Christian suicide. In other words, I'm just waiting for the new body. 
and I'm quitting function. You know what Paul says? For to me, to live is Christ. You see, we're waiting for the new body, yes. We groan for that. We know it's coming. But you know what that means? We, it doesn't mean we stop living. Because to live is for who? Christ. To live is to go and do and to live in the sound doctrine. And to be is who we are. To be the ambassador, see. Sometimes people get this, I'm just going to wait for the new body, and they quit living for Christ. They just, no, man, Paul says, no way, man. <laughs> Let's go at it. Let's keep going, hard charging. Verse 6, therefore, we are always confident, knowing that while we are at home in the body, we are absent from the Lord, for we walk by faith and not by sight. Folks, this is all a walk of faith. We are all waiting for our glorious body. We're all waiting for the vile body to be changed. And we're all walk by faith. You know, it's an interesting thing. We, we all die at different times. But we all get the new body at the same time. It's fantastic. Verse 8, For we are confident, I say, willing rather to be absent from the body and to be present with the Lord. You see, that's when, that's where I leave here and I go be with the Lord. That's just not the end of it. We've got all this over here to go through. Come over to chapter 12 of Corinthians, 2 Corinthians. You see, folks, when you and I die, when a believer dies, we're absent from the body and we're in the presence of the Lord. Now, when a lost man dies, his next breath is a breath of him falling into hell. Hell is a spiritual compartment, sits in the center of the earth right now. 2 Corinthians 12. The, the, and hell in the Old Testament has two compartments in it. Abraham's bosom and then torments. David would sell, say, I, don't leave my soul in hell. Resurrect me up here onto the earth and let me get on with who it is. He's not talking about going to hell in torments. He's talking about Abraham's bosom. The Lord says to the thief on the Christ, Today you will be with me in paradise. The Lord Jesus Christ goes to hell. He goes to not the torment side, but to Abraham's bosom side. Okay? A lost man dies. He goes to hell. The torment side. And he has a, his soul has a constant, consistent feeling of falling into hell. He never, they never get over that. Just falling. Bottomless pit. Falling. 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 You and I, believers, we go... Here we are. They're falling. That's a tough thing to do. We've studied hell and so forth in the past. That's not a place you'd want anyone to go. That's why you have to be that ambassador. 2 Corinthians 12, the Apostle Paul, verse 1, It is not expedient for me, doubtless to glory. I will come to visions and revelations of the Lord. I knew a man in Christ above 14 years ago 
Whether in the body I cannot tell, or whether out of the body I cannot tell, God knoweth. Such as one caught up to the what? Third heaven. Okay? Verse 3. And I knew such a man. By the way, he's talking about himself. Okay? 14 years, about 14 years prior to this is the event in Acts 14 where he's, left, he's been stoned and left for dead. Okay? In, in the account in Acts 14. Apparently he did die. And where did he go? To the third heaven. Verse 14, And I knew such a man, whether in the body or out of the body, I cannot tell. God knoweth how that he was caught up into paradise. So paradise, Abraham's bosom, has been moved to the third heaven. Now, I didn't finish reading that verse, but I want you to, what's the next word? And, what? Heard. Unspeakable words, which is not lawful for a man to... You see how Paul, he says, whether in the body or out of the body, I can't tell. And then I heard some words. See that? So when Paul was laid out on that street corner outside of the city of Derby and Lystra, left for dead, you know what his next breath was? In paradise, in the third heaven. And you know what he said? I couldn't tell you if I was in the body down there. or I, It was familiar to him. It was inviting. It wasn't a foreign land. It wasn't looking for the alien to pop around the corner and nail him. It was... Whether in the body or out of the body, I cannot tell. You'll also know that, notice that he says third heaven and paradise. Come over to Revelation 21. Revelation chapter 21. When Paul is caught up, we're going to look at the environment of heaven, just by the way, okay? What's it going to be like? You ever think about in, in Revelation 4 and 5 when John describes the throne room of God. He's going to describe the city of God here. And all of the gems and the crystals and all the beautiful stonework around that, how did that happen? Who, who works on stones and does all that? Masons? You got gemologists? You got different things? They're in white linen robes. Where does linen come from? Comes from the linen plant down by the seashore. <laughs> Comes from a linen plant. It, okay? Now, yes, I know that God can just speak it and it be. But that's not God. That's not how he works. So you know what that means? It means somebody's got to come out there and work that linen plant to, to get the linen. Ever, I love the cotton plants. You see the guys growing cotton? Because you know what happens? They take it down to the gin and they work it out, don't they? They get all the impurities out, they, produce, they spin it, they do all this stuff to that thing. So then they got to go over to the textile industry and make the goofy robe. See, that's work. That's stuff you're very familiar with. You understand that. That's farming, that's industry, that's, that's transportation to get it from A to B. And all, the, all of the activities that you see happen around you and I, we sit here and go, oh my goodness. And you know what God says? That's exactly what's up in heaven. Just minus the sin curse problem. If you guys with, okay, we're jumping ahead a little bit here, but this gets exciting. Revelation 21. When, the, when Paul says, I'm caught up to paradise, I'm caught up to the third heaven. 
We're, we understand, and from Genesis 1, there's a first heaven, our, our air, our atmosphere. Then there's the second heaven. We call that the universe out there. And then the third heaven, this is where God is, outside of the container, Revelation 21. In the third heaven, God lives in a city. Okay? And I'm just going to put this all up there. We won't make them all, but I'm just so we, you have them. God lives in a city, and when, and when he chose, where he chose to manifest his glory, to manifest his person, who he is, in a geographical location, he did it in a city, and he's going to put that city in Zion, the Middle East, Jerusalem. Jerusalem is the, the city of the great king. And he's going to put it over there in that land that he gave and promised to Abraham so that his creation can come and interact with him. So he can tabernacle with creation. Tabernacle, God with us, the dwelling place of God. Revelation 21.1, And I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth were passed away, and there was no more sea. And I, saw John, I John, saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down from God, out of heaven, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a great voice out of heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men, and he will dwell with them, and they shall be his people, and God himself shall be with them and be their God. Tabernacle, the tabernacle of God, the place where God dwells, is now with men. At the end, the new heaven, the new earth, we've already looked through this. The dispensation of the fullness of times begins. And what comes down out of the third heaven? The city. Hello, did I lose you somewhere in there? Okay. This new, the city, Jerusalem. By the way, if you look over at verse number 9, And there came unto me one of the seven angels, which had the seven vials full of the seven last plagues, and talked with me, saying, Come hither, I will show thee the bride, the Lamb's wife. And he carried me away in the spirit to the great and high mountain, and showed me the church, the body of Christ. What did he show him? The city, New Jerusalem. Holy Jerusalem descending. You know what the bride of Christ is? It isn't you and I. It's that city that he's been living in that he planned before the foundation of the world to come, set here on earth, and tabernacle, live with, dwell with his creation. When you go back in all of the creation passages, come back to Psalms 48, and you see where he's laid in foundations and beams and tender and all that construction terminology. It's there so that his city can come, Psalms 48, and sit and dwell here on the earth with his creation. You see, God didn't make you and I, his creation, to be robots and to just, maybe you know, danger, Will Robinson, danger, you know. He didn't do that. He said, I want you to come. I give you, I give you volition, free will to make a choice to come and to worship and to be with me. The lost have said, we don't want that. We'll be our own God. Thank you very much. And he said, that's fine. You can do that. I will honor your request. By the way, the judgment is the lake of fire. Have a nice life. And he judges them. But for you and I, for him, God has a city. 
And when you and I die before the resurrection, we are, go, we are with him in that city, in a compartment, in a section of that great city. That's where the Lord sits. And if we're in the presence of the Lord, where is he? He's in the city. We're in the city. See? So your loved ones that are in Christ that have died, and you're going to reunion with them, have a great reunion, right now they're sitting in that city. Okay? Revelation 48. Revelation, I'm sorry, Psalms 48. Verse 1. Great is the Lord and greatly to be praised in the city of our God, in the mountain of His holiness. Now watch. Beautiful for situation. The joy of the whole earth is Mount Zion. On the sides of the north, the city of the great king. When that city comes and sits on the earth, it's going to be beautiful for situation. And the whole earth is going to rejoice and have joy when he comes and sits. Come on over to Galatians 4. Galatians chapter 4. Trying to be mindful here of the clock. Galatians 4. Galatians 4, verse 26. Galatians 4, verse 26, Paul writes, But Jerusalem, which is above, is free, which is the mother of us all. Jerusalem above. Come on over to Hebrews chapter 11. Hebrews 11. Really wanted to kind of get into this a little more, but just time-wise, maybe next time. Hebrews 11, verse 13. You see, folks, there, God lives in a city. And when you and I, the moment you and I pass away before the rapture, before the resurrection, we go and be absent from the body, present with the Lord. Where's the Lord? Where's he? He's just hanging out on cloud nine. Do, 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 do. Plunk, 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 plunk. No, he's in the city. So where are you and I going to be? In the city. Hebrews eleven thirteen. These all died, talking about Abraham and Sarah and Isaac not having received the promises, but having seen them afar off and were persuaded of them and embraced them and confessed that they were strangers and pilgrims of, on the earth. For they that say such things declare plainly that they seek a city. I'm sorry, a country. <laughs> I got my head of myself. And truly, if they had been mindful of that country from whence they came out, they might have had opportunity to have returned. But now they desire a better country that is a heavenly, wherefore God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he hath prepared for them a city. Run your eye back up to verse 10. They're looking for a tabernacle. They're looking for a city. For he that looketh for a city which hath foundations, whose builder and maker is God. Come over to chapter 12 of Hebrews. Chapter 12. You see, folks, God lives in a city. You and I, when we die, we're absent from the body, present with the Lord. You know where we're going to be? In that city. In a section of it. In a part of it. A piece of it. Verse, uh, chapter 12, verse 18 for ye are not coming to the mount that might be touched. Look at that. The mount that might not be touched. Verse 22. But ye are come unto, unto Mount Zion, and unto the city of the living God, 
the heavenly Jerusalem, and to an innumerable company of angels, to the great assembly in the church of the firstborn. That's Israel. That's the believing remnant, which are written in heaven, and to God, the, and the, the judge of all, and to the spirits of just men made perfect, and to Jesus, the mediator of the new covenant, and to the blood of, of sprinkling, that speaketh better things than that of Abel. They're looking for that city. And you know what? One day that city's going to come. 2 Corinthians 5. That city's going to come and sit back on the earth. But right now, 2 Corinthians 5, verse 8. But right now, that city's waiting, by the way. That city's waiting for you and I to be reunited and raptured home, taken home, presented to the Father. That city's waiting for the nation of Israel to go through her tribulation, that 70th week, for the Lord to come back, for the kingdom to be set up on the earth, it's waiting. It's sitting there waiting. It's waiting for the great white throne to be done and the lake of fire and all that to be established and the final enemy, death, be, be dealt with and strong. And it's waiting. And then that city's going to come and take up residence in this little peanut of a planet called earth. And when it does, it is the command center of the universe. I love saying that because it really gets them, pokes them on the internet. You know, this is not the center of the universe. I never said the earth was the center. I said it is the command center because the king is going to set up headquarters here. He's going to put them in. But meanwhile, back on the farm, you and I are sitting there and Paul says, you know what? We are confident, I say, and willing rather to be absent from the body and to be present with the Lord. And where is he? He's in the third heaven. He's sitting in the city. So where do you and I go? We're in a holding pattern. We don't have a new body yet. You know, by the way, your body is how you relate to the environment you're around, how you can function and feel. We don't have a body yet. Because you know what? Ultimately, that city is not where we're going to function. Where are you and I going to function? In the heavenly places. But we're hanging out with our Savior, so it can't get any better than, than that. So as we go look around heaven, we're going to see the environment. We're going to see what we're doing. We're going to pay attention to some of the details there. Not to waste your time, but so you know. So you understand. We have a lot of things going on in our country the last three or four months, the last week. Things that you look at and you go, how in the world could that? But you know what? If you're seeking and you're setting in the right direction, you don't even worry about that. You worry about it for your safety because we really don't, we're not really out there trying to be killed. But it's not what's running us. It's not what's governing us. The sound doctrine is, okay? Absent from the body, present with the Lord. Where is he? Third heaven in the city. So that's where you and I will go. We'll just hang out with him a few. I, I, I think about Paul, the great apostle. He's killed at the hands of Nero, according to history. He's been sitting there waiting for the rapture, 2,000 years or whatever. And you know what? It hasn't seemed like that at all for him. He's just rejoicing to be there. 
I think about others here that have passed away over the years. And you know what? They're just sitting there rejoicing. And they're probably sitting there going, okay, Lord, come on, let's go. It's time to get our new bodies. Let's go. We're tired of this glory. <laughs> come on. Not, no, not at all. That's jesting, okay? No, they're sitting there going, man, it's time to get on with work. It's time to go. You and I, we need to understand, life is not what it is. It, there's more to life than just right now. And I'm glad that that is the case, because right now would be so depressing. Okay? All right. Dearly Father, we thank you for the morning, Lord. We thank you for your word, for the details in it concerning the issues of heaven and where we're going to be going. And as we look at them and as we study them, that we would rejoice in them, knowing, being confident of where we're going to be at. In your name we pray. Amen. All right. Thank you.